Welcome to Dragon Talk. <laughs> you stole my heart. We're here to fart. Oh my god. <laughs> when you were down, I was a clown. Ooh. <laughs> it's the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you the news. I told you what's new. News, right? Some new. <laughs> you could have gone like, "Don't have any blues." <laughs> okay, <laughs> because okay. I got D and D news, but it's not D and D. Now we've confused people because this is not D and D news. This is Dragon Talk. So much branding is at stake right now. Wow. Um, welcome, all of you. We are professionals, and we still talk to each other on a daily slash weekly basis we- about all of the things Dungeons & Dragons related, including our amazing interview coming up with Susanna Grace. Yes. Uh, she is an illustrator and uh, uh, role player extraordinaire on many live streams, including uh, Encounter Roleplay and, and many others. Yeah. Uh, can't wait to pick her brain about uh, what's been going on uh, with uh, all of that. We also have a, uh, a really fun segment with Kate Welch coming up. A, I love that. Another random character generator where uh, we'll explain everything that happens to that thing. But it'll be happening very soon. We're I think that sounds fun. Slightly recovering still from uh, E3. You are. Do you know what all of the threes are in E3? Electronic. That's one of them. Excellence. <laughs> yes, that's the second one. <laughs> <laughs> elephants! Exactly, right. So there was there was no elephants this year, oh. I don't think. Uh, I didn't see any at, at the least. But there were ice dragons. There was a really cool ice dragon. Really? There, yeah, for the Monster Hunter World uh, expansion. Oh, that's cool. Which I thought was 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 pretty pretty dope. Um, there was a lot of other video games there. But honestly, there were not too many that like captured my specific essence. Except for Baldur's Gate 3, which uh. we talked about a lot. Uh, with uh, Sven uh, from Larian, uh, and basically everybody on the Larian crew was fantastic uh, to be with, and they spoke a lot with a lot of press from People international sources as well as domestic over here in the United States of A. People are excited. They are very excited, yeah. Yes. Mike and Sven, we're, we're talking to a lot of folks, so we're, we're jazzed that everyone knows about that. It is coming uh, in the future. It'll be on PC and Stadia. No specific release dates, uh, not really any very specific news to tell other than it's going to be awesome and working together with Wizards and Larian on this project has been, uh, you know, pretty cool. And the trailer looks cool. The trailer looks really cool. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, go check it out, the Baldur's Gate 3 trailer. Uh, it, it does have some some nastiness in it, uh, including vomiting and uh, gross grossity. Uh, so look, you know, look, look with... Uh, vomiting. Because what happens when but why? you're getting taken over by uh, an alien force? Anyway. She's <laughs> like, it's not my favorite. No, it's not. Yeah, the teeth is where it really gets me. I'm like, oh, God, teeth. Um, but it is fantastic, and it, it takes a new uh, take on what's happening in the Baldur's Gate uh, saga. Um, the next chapter you'll be able to uncover by playing this game, and we are uh, extremely happy with Larian and all the fun stuff they've been doing putting it together. Awesome. Yeah. Very exciting. And then we were, of course, hot on the tails of D&D Live still, even though that was like, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Still seeing coverage on it. Still seeing lots of coverage. People are doing amazing things. We announced, uh, of course, Baldur's Gate. Uh, You seeing what we did there now? Uh, Descent into Avernus. It is a uh, 
big time D and D adventure set in uh, the Forgotten Realms around the Baldur's Gate kind of area. You'll have lots of information about what it's like to play in that city before you take a little trip down the River Styx. To the first layer of the nine hells, Avernus. Just the first layer. Just the first layer. Maybe it's even beyond. barely even hot there. No, it's like more like a like like L.A. in yeah. June. Yeah, a little humid. Yeah, a little. Actually, that's way more humid than it actually really is. Yeah, sounds good. That's going to be exciting. We talked about a lot of uh, fun uh, products around that, including the uh, Avernus dice set uh, and miscellany, which has got tons of. Maps and things within it, including two little dice trays that you can use to roll the blood red dice. That's so cool. Yeah, people are really geeking out on those. Dice. I know. I, I'm I'm one of them. They're they look, really, they look good. really good. I want to put them on all of my uh, eyes when I die. Wait, no. Can you do that? Yeah. You know, you know some people put coins on their yes. eyes. Like I want to put blood colored dice. Well, so then when I go happen. into hell, I have some dice. Well, yeah. And you can roll advantage. Right, because that's why they do that, right? Because they, that's the, the coins were supposed to just pay the ferryman to well, take you, you across the river sticks. Coin. That's right. We Not also talked those. a lot about soul coins, which is what a soul is represented as physically in the plane of Avernus. So right. they're used as a bit of a currency. But are they there. all worth the same amount? No. So we talked about this with uh, Adam Lee hmm. uh, recently. He said a, a soul of. Uh, a being that could be more incorruptible, like a paladin or something like that, that you know uh, would would have more value uh, and be more covetous. Well, how do you know how much value you, your soul is? It like a gift card? Like you have to call the number on the back to find out what the value of that card is? Well, it's even more difficult than that because it's worth more to specific devils within hell. Oh, right. So like, like a secondary market. Yeah, like one person might want to. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> like a secondary market. One person may really want uh, this specific soul. For whatever reason, whether it's again they like like, like corrupting paladins or they they like uh, having elves or something for whatever, so they might be worth more. You can know? you corrupt a soul that's in a soul coin? It, you well, can still mess around with it. It is already corrupted because it's it's been pulled in into the, hell into the coin. Yeah, can it come out? Um, these are rules that we would have to ask uh, the story team. I'm going to ask. Because I think there are lots of uh, loopholes and things like can you, can you redeem thing. That's a lot of the themes of what's going on here in this, in this play. In this play. Can you get it's out? a play we're talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. a show. It's a show. It's uh, so it's very exciting. That adventure is coming out September 17th. And uh, in the meantime, we've got some fun things coming out. We already talked about Ghost of Salt Marsh a bunch, but we have the sinister silver <laughs> edition of Salt oh, no. Marsh here in front of us. It's making it's making Shelly want to choke. Uh, it's okay. She's off mic. She's fine. She can recover herself. <laughs> she <laughs> she inhaled some of the smoke uh, that we were that we were blowing out of our butts. Stop trying to talk and just get it out. <laughs> I can cover it for you, but you're making it take so much longer. Um, there is. Uh, yes, so Ghost of Song March is out. The Sinister Silver Edition is available from our friends at Beetle and Grimm's. It's got wonderful stuff within it. We just put, took it out during the video portion of this podcast. But if you want to find out more, go to BeetleandGrimm's.com to find out about that. Um, there are two uh, different versions of the adventure available uh, in various places. Do it up. Uh, also, uh, Acquisitions Incorporated is coming out. I might not be okay yet. <laughs> Stop making sounds and constricting your windpipe. Clearly you're not a trained actress. Maybe I'm acting right now. It's all acting now. (laughs) 
Um, Acquisitions uh, Incorporated comes out uh, June 17th. It, it, June well, 18th, actually. Like next week. Yeah, very soon. Right around the corner. I'm excited for it. It allows you to start up a franchise uh, wherever you like of uh, Acquisitions Incorporated, uh, including uh, in the Forgotten Realms or... Um, in your home campaign, and uh, there is lots of wealth of information within it, um, including, you know, new backgrounds, new no, not necessarily new backgrounds, but n- new player options for you. Um, and uh, <coughs> if you ever wanted to encounter the folks from the Actors Incorporated crew, including Omen Dron or Jim Dark Magic or Viari or Kate Welch's character, Rosie Beestinger, or uh, Chris Drop's character, yes. anybody from C Team. You can uh, use them as uh, NPCs. Maybe they're nice. <laughs> Maybe they're nice. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're, Maybe not. they're bad guys. I mean, that's kind of how it is with anyone you meet. It's true. Uh, in the in the darkly comic office culture of Acquisitions Incorporated, those characters might end up being the, the end game bosses no. that you have to fight against. Who knows? The interns. Yeah. <laughs> the interns will be able to survive. Sorry. I guess I'm not okay. <laughs> I should just go home now. You should probably just go home. There's oh no, my god! There's no way you can keep talking. Yeah. Um, I see water over there. Can I have one? I see water. I see France. I'm so sorry. I see Greg's burlap underpants. <laughs> <laughs> it was all worth it for That's that a joke. Back. <laughs> Thank you, Pelham. That's amazing. So check that out <sighs> when it, it gets out there. We sent out a lot of uh, review copies to folks, so there should be a lot more of it all around town, uh, and uh, we're excited for it. All so check it out. Let's go to our segment, shall we? Yes. Do you want to hear it? Do you want to listen to it? I do. I wanna this is one that I love. Push this button and make a random character just pop up. Bloop, bloop. And we'll go. Welcome to a segment of Random Character Generator. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Kate Welch. Hi, I'm Kate Welch. I'm game designer. Dungeons and Dragons. You're making the things happen. Yep. Up and down. Oh, yeah. All over town. Yep. There's random characters happening in all of your stuff. I think so. Yeah. Also, not random characters. Right. <laughs> Hi, you just got back from E3. I did. And I'm boy, here. your arm's tired. <laughs> I know. I was running the whole way. Yeah. Uh, and then I leap into the air and then uh-huh. got all the way here to Seattle. Amazing. It, are, are people excited for Baldur's Gate 3? People are so excited for Baldur's Gate yes. 3. Yeah, it was this wonderful confluence of uh, uh, everyone loving the developer, loving Larian, and wanting to see more come out of them and excited about what is to come with Dungeons & Dragons storytelling and being like, yeah. this is the perfect marriage. It is. It is. I remember thinking that, I think I learned that like my very first day here last year and I was like, <gasps> Because I just, I just finished a playthrough of Divinity 2 where I was loudly proclaiming that it was the best Dungeons & Dragons game I've ever played. And you're like, the first day, you're like, Lee Pop, what's, the, what's the one thing that people are going to be excited about? And you're like, oh, oh yeah, do not disappoint. Yeah, that's it. That's really all we got. There's yeah. nothing. <laughs> Everything else this year is a downward slide. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but is there? There's things or that we're working there? on which are so cool. Yeah. All right. Speaking of so cool. What do we do on this show? So this is the segment where we make up a random character from D&D Beyond. Mm-hmm. It was uh, in, in part inspired by uh, the session you ran at uh, PAX Unplugged in right. which it was all people creating these uh, uh, characters on the fly. With the random character generator button. And then 
playing them as fully realized mm -hmm. characters. So we will press this button okay. and come up with this character Sounds and good. then uh, try to put a story and a backstory about all of the different stats and numbers and try to um, figure out how to translate what's on the character sheet into something that you can really play. I love it. They Thank might you. be broken. Thank you for the reminder. That hopefully will be broken. Right. All right. Ready? I'm going to press the button. Yes, press the button. It is loading. <laughs> Ooh. Maywin hog collar. I like Now, that name. it's not hog collar like, hey, come here, hog. This is a hog collar like, hey, get over here. You're, I'm, you're my pet now. So <laughs> this is clearly, oh, and it's, it's a halfling. Perfect, perfect. A stout halfling sorcerer. sorcerer. Yes. Who oh. uh, already, I can tell you that she's got um, an unbelievable collection of hogs. And she catches wild ones. She has the the ability, the the special talent of being able to uh, not only locate a wild hog, but to make it her friend and to bring it home and add it to her collection of of, uh, of hogs. Done and looked, done. I've I, I haven't looked at anything else in this character yeah, sheet, but, but we're gonna that. we're gonna make that happen. Yeah, and she uses her chromatic orb to seduce them with color. Um, oh, because hogs like color. Hogs. In That's this one world. thing, Greg, uh, that everyone can agree on. <laughs> hogs love color. <laughs> and being collared. Yes, and collared, yes. Nice. Uh, all right, so uh, Maywin has a strength, oh, a pretty high strength. She's very strong. It's from all that hog collaring that she's been doing. <laughs> so she's a, maybe a farmer. I don't know. We'll see yeah, what kind of background she's got. She but used to be, yeah. Low dexterity. Very low. Negative two on the modifier, yeah. seven on the dice. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, Constitution, middle of the road. 10. Right. Very smart. Sure, which is, uh, I, I think, less useful for a sorcerer, but uh, it's, you know, she's she's book smart. She's, she's not book smart. She's not street smart. She knows the different varieties of hogs and uh, how <laughs> they uh, are related and how they evolved over yeah, time. She, you know what? I think probably you're right. I think she, that she was, uh, she's been a farmer up until um, her raw magic started to seep out of her pores Ooh. and onto her, her hogs. Um, and so Ooh, and her now, background yeah. is a sage. Yeah. Oh, so that could fit really well. Yeah. I like that. Um, she's generally middle of the road. Uh, wisdom, I'm assuming with a name like Maywin, uh, that it's a she. What do you think? I, I like I like it as a she. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Maywin hog collar. Uh, yeah. And charisma, which is her spellcasting stat, yeah. not great. Not great. A not 12 great. plus one modifier. Not, I mean, not terrible. Not worst. No, sure. I've definitely yeah. had worse characters. Yeah, okay, that's true. Okay, so she's, uh, and she's third level, which means she's been, um, she's been uh, sort of birthing her sorceress yes. abilities for some time now. And she's got a storm sorcery origin. Ooh, all right, I'm going to look at that. Storm sorcery. Uh, she's got a sage oh, background. Oh, you're going to... With D&D Beyond, it's easier than ever. <laughs> Look at you go. Look at it happen. Okay. All right. Power of elemental air. Ooh. A near-death experience caused by the great rain. But perhaps you were born during a howling gale so powerful that folks still tell stories of it. Ooh, okay. Like, like Stormborn. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how about this? She was born mm -hmm. in a storm that killed all her family's hogs. <gasps> yeah. It drowned them. All of the hogs. It was like a flood. Yeah, and they Ooh. were they were a, a reputable hog farmer family, um, but this great storm, um, as the hogs were all drowning, Maywin Hog Collar was born, mm -hmm. and something about the the energy of those uh, dying hogs got into her bloodline. Ooh! So she has the the power of the storm hog. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting into like. <laughs> 
blizzard uh, cow level uh, <laughs> here. Uh, but I like it. All right, that's great. All right, yeah. so she's got the power of the storm hogs. Okay. Uh, which is where she's able to cast her spells. Yep. So she's got uh, a pretty good mix of good cantrips here, acid splash, mending message. Sure. My, oh, she's really got the cantrips are actually uh, mostly uh, utilitarian. Yeah, yeah. So she's got the minor illusion, which is probably awesome for luring hogs. Like I. Oh, she uses it that way. That's a great mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. So you could make you could make with the with minor illusion, you could make the sound or smell of a truffle. Uh, I don't know what hogs are into. I think they like truffles. I think that's they like what truffles. They, my pigs in Stardew Valley love truffles. So that's <laughs> all of the farming experience that I have. Which, which is more than you need, really. Yeah, I think so, yeah. probably. Um, and then for the first first level spells, we've got the Chromatic Orb, of right. course, and Comprehend Languages, oh, which is an interesting one. That um, is an interesting one. Perhaps she is, uh, like we said before, she is a, she's studious, mm-hmm. um, per- maybe a little too studious, considering she's a sorcerer. She'll work on that charisma a little bit, but she likes her books, and um, Comprehend Languages helps her uh, read more about the, the her love, her true love, which is cultivating the world's most um, beautiful hog. She is, she's crossbreeding. She's read a lot about hog genetics, such as they are in the Forgotten Realms. Um, and so, yeah, she's she's all about that rare hog. Do you think, and this is just throwing a crazy weird idea out here, yeah. do you think that in some way by being born during this storm and having a connection to hogs, yeah. that she believes Endora has discovered a secret hog timeline in which hogs are ascendant? And yes. she's trying to get back or figure out how to make hogs more ascendant in yeah. her world. Well, obviously. I think that's the case. Yeah. Okay. So hogs ascend. Hogs ascendant. <laughs> that's her. She's got a tattoo across her chest. Hogs, hog, hogs unite. Hog, hog life. <laughs> hogs, not drugs. <laughs> we don't want any Viking uh, undead here. No. no. That's droggers. But oh, great. Close. Yeah, Dang it. So close. I love all of this. Uh, all right, so the, her comprehend languages are trying to figure out, you know, what's the the, the secret l- language of, of of hog life. Right. Okay. So she's able to comprehend languages is um, the literal meaning of any spoken language and written language, but you have to be touching the surface. So yeah, she probably has a lot of like elvish and, and dwarven books about um, about hog farming. Yeah, and and just general genetics. Maybe her research has led her into like a field of hog eugenics so dark that um, it awoke her sorceress origins. Interesting. Finally, yeah. Um, I, I think of her as being like mid thirties. So probably in just the last couple of years, these these mysterious sorcerer's powers have come out of her mm. um, because she delved so deeply into the, the lore of Dark Hog. <laughs> Which is, it makes a lot of sense because her, she's got a lot of languages here. She's yeah. got common halfling crawl. I don't know what crawl is. Sure. Uh, orc and primordial. primordial. Whoa! So that, Jeez Louise. And that must come from her sage background, right? Right. And her relatively high intelligence, right? Because right. she's got a plus two right. uh, for that. So that would be an extra one. What is crawl? I wish I knew what crawl was. It's a, it's a, it's a language. It's a language. People obviously. say it. They, yeah. they, 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 they use it in communicating. Maybe it's the hog language. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I, uh, I can't remember what crawl is. But um, I think for – so sage, if I'm, I recall correctly, is just like you, she did spend a bunch of time reading and learning – yeah. Um, and she is 
considered to be wise, but her stats don't necessarily reflect that. So perhaps because of the amount of book learning that she has done Mm -hmm. and how everybody in this uh, hamlet that she lives nearby, no pun intended with the hog. Hamlet. The hog jokes. (laughs) I've always wanted it. I think there already is at least 100 mini pigs, but Hamlet is just the perfect name for a mini pig. It really is. I mean, that's... It's kind of dark, but... It's, it's fine. I think, well, and he's also very sad and, you know, yeah. maybe he commits suicide. You never know. But, yeah. yeah. Ooh, yeah. I don't want my mini pig to commit suicide. <laughs> well, but only because, you know, his his uh, kingdom was taken away from him by his oh, uncle. naturally. Right. Yeah, and then his yeah. girlfriend drowned, right? So, like, you know, that's what, that's what happens. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, she, she, the, you're, you're totally right on the sage thing. Spent years uh, studying the lore of the multiverse, scoured manuscripts, studied scrolls, and listened to the greatest experts on the subjects that interest you. Yes, okay. And yeah. we, looks like, was randomly determined to be the researcher. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, so she's researching genetics. Yeah. Right? So she's trying to, um, so here's a question. Yes. She's trying to breed a rare hog, and um, it has some kind of special quality. Maybe she's tired of not being able to talk to hogs, and she's decided she's going to breed a talking hog. Oh, okay. We yeah. think of that. I like that a lot too. Either that or like a glittery rainbow hog. You did say earlier on that like the like the most beautiful hog, right? Or yeah. The mo- right. So like right, that- the most spectacular hog. Yeah. But like, what does a beautiful hog look like? Like chiseled cheekbones and like pouty lips. And it's like I'm lifting weights and. Uh- oh, I just had a mental picture of a hog with lips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I ruined Isn't my that, day. That's what hot dogs are made of. Aren't they? Hog lips. <laughs> <laughs> Just one one hot dog per. Oh, gross. Gross. Uh, well, I like, and so it's kind of like she's trying to create, like, uh, not an owl bear per se, but like that kind of a, um, a, 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 new, a new creature Ooh, type. An owl hog. An owl hog. <laughs> what if, yeah, what if it's. What if it is? It's like an owl hog that's some, or some, some hybrid creature. Now, all we know about Maywin for sure is that she's a hog farmer, obviously. Right, or was before she... Before or she, or, no, that's a good question. Is yeah. she now? Is she still like oh, at yeah. her, her, her farm even yes. though all the pigs were dead there? Yeah, I don't think she's an adventurer. Okay. I think that her sorceress magic is something that she's learning as her, her um, dark hog inside her uh, awakens. Um, <laughs> but I also think that uh, if she is breeding a hybrid, then she's probably breeding with another creature. Okay. So we have owl bears. Um, what do we? We do we? Uh, maybe maybe she's she's breeding a hog dog. Hog dog. Yeah. Maybe front half hog, back half dog. Oh, getting the centaur thing going on here. Yeah, I'm, you I'm, got me. Uh, <laughs> you're like you're like. How can a pig be attractive this way? And you're like, wait a second. What if it's a centaur? What if it's a centaur? <laughs> Automatically hot. Yeah. Done and done. Um, and so half, it could be front half hog or and back half dog, but it also could be, and I want you to think closely about this one, mm. top half hog, bottom half dog. So all, all hog body, very long dog legs. So uh, <laughs> like a satyr type of, like walking on, yes. on, on two legs? Yes, but, okay. four, but with four legs. But Okay. Yeah. Although I like where your head's at. We could go with a hog that is just two legs. Yeah. Just two dog legs coming off the like a porky pig type body. Right. <laughs> but th- then where does the opposable thumbs come in? Are they hooves? Oh, no, they're hooves. They're hooves. They're hooves, yeah. Because oh. you don't want to give them that much power. Once you start giving hogs opposable thumbs, the neighborhood's gone. You're just wrecking yourself at that point. So so is this a uh, um, a dark story? Is this a, uh, 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 you know, what's that called? A, a cautionary tale? Not yet. 
Um, I don't think she has succeeded yet is the thing. Yeah. Um, but she she could be. So when you encounter her as an NPC in your game at home, um, she will probably send you on a quest to help her gather reagents for whatever dark dealings she's trying to fuse uh, these these two great animals together. Two great tastes that taste great together. Exactly. That's, that's her motto. Um, <laughs> that's what she's been. That's, she's not that wise, so she thinks that's like the most funniest thing in the world. And she's she like, "This does. is perfect." <laughs> she has like a uh, she has like a, a warehouse full of t shirts with that on it that no one's buying. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "I thought this was going to give me really all of the gold pieces I needed to fund my research." It was like the iHeart New York thing. She's like, "Surely this is going to catch on," but it didn't. No, and it's good she's not an adventurer because she's really bad at it. She's got a negative two initiative. Uh, oh yeah. As yeah. well as a, a a pretty poor armor class, um, mostly because of the, the the bad dexterity. Yeah, I mean, when you think of a hog, you don't think of a, a creature that's going to take a lot of initiative. So <laughs> she's 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 not living high on the hog she's, anymore. And, uh, just to be clear, she is not a hog, but I think she uh, finds there since this is the ascent of the hogs, she finds their qualities aspirational in right. many ways. She is a stout halfling, so she's got um, she's got like a like a stout sort of form, right? She's also immune to poison, which is great because hogs are very poisonous. So, oh, yeah. are they? No, Greg. <laughs> in this, maybe in this world they are. You don't know. You can, you can say that and I will, I will go on that journey with you, Kate, every time. Oh, my God. They've got poisonous fangs, oh, those, those hogs. so good just then. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I like that she has some charisma-based skills here. So she's yeah. got deception, and persuasion Ooh. as ones that she's trained in, in addition to history and arcana, which fits the whole sage thing. But sure, yeah. how does she use her her persuasion and or deception? I don't do you know. Think? Well, the the obvious thing is to persuade or deceive hogs into being her friend. Oh, right? Okay, she's so, like, come into my yeah, yeah come to my my beautiful hog paradise. Um, come to my window. Come to my hog farm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but perhaps. Uh, persuasion and deception would come in handy if you had some officials coming and sniffing around and mm. being like, hey, what's all this? You fusing a hog and a dog together over here? <laughs> so I've got a hog dog? She'd be like, no. That's silly. I would never do that. That's not the most attractive thing I've ever thought of. No. I would never want to make that. <laughs> what What a ridiculously practical idea you've just had. <laughs> You're a genius. <laughs> I'm going to make if that it, real. I'm not going to. No, 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 no. But if I did, okay, how much would you pay for it? <laughs> I mean, hypothetically speaking. <laughs> uh, so that's interesting. Is she uh, is she trying to find her, uh, you know, other half? No, no, no. I think she her her pursuit is academia and uh, and scientific in in as much as it is. You know, in in another, she's she was uh, raised on this ha- this halfling hog farm, mm-hmm. and so. Um, it had she had more access to places like Candlekeep or um, or Waterdeep, she might have been able to use this scientific obsession to um, to further a pursuit that more people would be excited about. Oh. <clears throat> Which is not to bag on hog dogs, but I do think that it's probably like a very personal pursuit for her um, because she just she hasn't been out in the world much. As you say, she's a terrible adventurer, so she wouldn't last two seconds out there. I don't care how many hogs she brings with her. So she's a little bit of a loner then. She, I think like, so. She's yeah, she, like, she, it's just her and her hogs. Hogs are making her, her, her happy. And, and one dog. <laughs> a single dog. Only for the science, though. 
I like to think she's got like she snuggles up in her in her like straw mattress, and there's a bunch of little baby hogs around her. She hugs them. They all go to sleep. Aww. Yeah, I know it's pretty cute. It it's pretty like cute, except, except for the like the eugenics storyline. It's it's a pretty cute mental picture. I mean, even that, you know, hog hugging. You know, that's okay. Yeah, hog, hog hugs. Hog hugs. Yeah, hog dogs. <laughs> hog hugs. This is this story's got it all. Maywin Hog Collar is a very nice person. So, all right, so you kind of did a little bit of uh, uh, you know of a role playing thing there. Like, hey, what are you doing oh, here? Sure, yeah, that's and my that's my guard voice. That's she responded though in a very like normal voice. Do you think sure. this person Ooh. does she have a a special voice to her, mm-hmm. or is she very matter of fact? Well, halflings halflings are oh, they could go either way with voices, um, but yeah, I think. I think that's part of her charisma, so to speak. That's her plus one is like, she sounds pretty reasonable when mm. you talk to her. She's just kind of, she's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I like, I like where your head's at. Um, so yeah, I think, I think she, she sounds completely sane and educated. Um, and it's only once you spend more than five minutes with her where you're like, oh boy. This might, there might be this, some things. Yeah, this this hog dog thing is not going to work out. I don't know how to tell her. <laughs> but she's so nice about she's it. She's so nice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I see. I love that. Because, uh, right, she would have to be respected a little bit, at least mm-hmm. in her community, uh, yeah. uh, with, with, with those type of things. Certainly to leave her alone. They'd be like, ooh, that may win. Mm-hmm. You know, you go out to that farm, you're going to find some weird stuff going on out there. But she's harmless. <laughs> you know, she's that, she's that sort of uh, eccentric uh, farm lunatic. Is she that every town has. Is she still amongst uh, mostly halflings? Like, does she? Yeah, she lives yeah. amongst her kind. I think this is a, half, a little halfling hamlet. Yeah, because halflings, halflings in general, like they they would go for the hog farming. They're like, oh, that's a noble pursuit, right? Um, and it it would be the the research, the um, the genetic research that they'd be like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't think that's, that's a good that's idea. That's a little too far. So she yeah. keeps that on the on the DL as much yeah, as she can. Yeah, I think there are rumors, like weird flashes of light and explosions sometimes oh. come from her farm. But uh, most of the halflings steer clear. They, and, there's like a milk delivery that happens every week, and um, they try to go broad daylight because at night it gets real weird in there. Just lots of strange sounds. Okay, so this could almost be like a a, a, a bad NPC or like a, yeah, a, you know, a could, boss in some way. Well, it could be uh, sort of like Sinister Secret. Like there's this there's a legend that this is the haunted farmhouse, right? Mm. And in uh, but once you get there, you realize like, oh, it's just this sort of eccentric little scientist lady who's doing all these crazy experiments, um, and there's nothing haunted about it at all. But maybe she likes that. <clears throat> she's got that deception skill, so maybe she puts on a little bit of a show because yeah. it keeps people away. Right. And then they don't in- interfere. Here, have some ham. Yeah. Yeah, I got some bacon for yeah. you. Go, go, go. It's turkey bacon, though. She has never, <laughs> she has never slain a oh, hog Oh, that's in the her deception's yes. role. She's like, this is totally bacon. This is totally 100% hog bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Wink. Like, little bell goes off. Yeah, Ding. yeah. Uh, Ding. <laughs> all right, perfect. All right, I like Maywin, yeah, a hog collar. Yeah, me too. I want to I wanna, I wanna use her. So, uh, I can't remember, did we... Say we're gonna put these up anywhere. We do. We put oh, them up in the in the show notes for for where people oh, good, can find good, this good. in the podcast okay. form. Uh, I try to make it public so that people can can uh, you know use all of our crazy stuff we just made up and put it in your game if you want, or you can use this as an NPC. Yeah, we say she's a bad adventurer, but she could be a good adventurer for you. Uh, and out there's there. honestly there's no such thing as a bad adventurer. So like That's even true. even with uh, low decks and weird stats, um, even even a 
a mechanically unsound character will create amazing stories. Right? And she's got an amazing call to action here. She where does. Like all of a sudden, if a hog it, call to action. <laughs> Zooey! <laughs> oink, oink. <laughs> that was my Kermit trying to do Miss Piggy That's, stuff, which I'm amazed we haven't had one Miss Piggy joke in this entire Well, because hogs aren't pigs, Greg. Oh, is that, are they different? Yeah, they're different. I thought, oh, the one's the poisonous kind, one's the not poisonous yes, kind. Yes, the hogs are very poisonous. Yes, yeah, do not get bit by a hog. <laughs> Mm-mm, not are there green hogs and uh, green hogs, night hogs? Yeah, oh yeah, night hogs, <laughs> swamp hogs. <laughs> Hell yes! Oh my gosh! Now we got to get Jeremy to do a swamp hog. <laughs> Great, genius! All right, Wonderful. thank you so much, Kate. This is perfect. Thank uh, you. How can people ask uh, about Maywin and any other additional details they may want? Um, they can throw questions at my Twitter at Kate Well, which is my name but with four H's at the end. Four H's. Hogs, hugging. <laughs> uh, hog dogs. Hog dogs. <laughs> and hot dogs. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kate. We'll be back with Thanks, more Kate. segments next week. Yeah, bye. Bye. Wasn't that so fun? That was super fun. You got to listen to me and Kate make Very up funny. something great. I love the characters. Oh, I hope he great took character. The, she took the bait. She did. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> 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 you did so bad at that. <laughs> that was like rolling one on Mitros. <laughs> you just like out of it. Bye. <laughs> that was actually that was a figurative choke. I have had a literal choke and a figurative choke on this one podcast. It, you are, I am out of practice. You are multitasking. That is not goodbye. That is we have a great interview coming up. That's right. <laughs> With Susanna Grace, illustrator and dungeon master and live streamer. Extraordinaire. You're using all my words. Duh. That's perfect. You're doing it. You're doing a really good job. Yeah. Thanks. I listen. I listen. You listen. And you absorb. Like every good dungeon master should. Yep. Oh no. Yeah, see, you're almost there. Not quite. Now All I'm right. gonna choke again. Don't don't choke. Or okay. cry. Let's get those tears in. Hey, you just reminded me. What happened? About the Rick and Morty. Right when you were when you were crying? Yeah. Yeah. We played it. You know, the first six or so. I mean, I think that's one of your oh my go- God. that should be one of your go-to anecdotes whenever when? talking about this game. So tell it real uh, quick before we get to our interview. Okay, so we wanted to just play because just to play it, see how it, it's doing. What What is it? This is, oh, the Rick and Morty, Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick and Morty tabletop role-playing game adventure. Right. Coming the out box this fall. set. The that box we, set. We, we talked about this at D&D Live. And you get to have, basically it's like Rick is your dungeon master. Yeah. But in this case, Ben Petrosaur was our dungeon master. And when we were like, oh, we should just record it just to, like, just to see. Like, maybe, maybe one day we'll cut it up into snippets and show it. But whatever. Yeah. Um, and Ari Levitz and Adam Lee and Kate Welch, who's the lead designer on it, and me all played it. And oh, my God. So number one, it is pretty like, easy to jump into. Mm-hmm. 
And you don't even have to really know anything about Rick and Morty because you're immediately going to know stuff about Rick and Morty. Nice. And then Ben is like the one of the the best dungeon masters, like secretly. How to, and I couldn't tell if it was him or read aloud text that was making me laugh so hard. <laughs> but then at one point towards the end, we encountered this room, which I won't give things away. And this thing happened, and I just completely lost. Like I was kind of losing it up, and it was just like so funny. It's and there was fun. just like these great, wonderful moments, and we were having such a great time. And then I just. I lost it. Like, I lost it so hard that I couldn't recover it, and we actually had to stop. Because uh, <laughs> you were just laughing and I laughing and laughing. I was crying. Like, I cried all my makeup off. Like, when I, at <laughs> night, when I went to, like, go take my makeup, I'm like, I'm not wearing any makeup. Oh, that's right, because I cried for three hours in a D&D game. It was three hours it, long? Like, afterwards, I just kept laughing and crying about it, and I just couldn't. It was like, I just laughed so hard. Like, people, you have no idea how fun this thing is and how great this is. It's like, Going to be one of your best D and D moments playing That's like this. The best. It's so good. Oh, I so wait. good. I can't wait. People, and, and Palum has captured it all, so you can see my breakdown. I think every single person who plays this game is going to like die crying. I think when you get to that that particular room, I think we need to talk about it. I'm not going to tell you now what it is, but I think you're going to know. <laughs> And we're going to talk about it. Nice. Oh, that's exciting. I want to play it with you. I want to play. You'll love it. Yeah. I, have a, I haven't uh, you know, done any playtesting for it, so I'm happy to jump in. Make it happen. Keith's been doing a fantastic job. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is like a perfect project for her. I love it. Yep. Very cool. Um, and that was great that we just got to uh, make a character with her. As you can tell from all those segments, she's a very good character maker, and that's why it's perfect for, for, for this thing. And there's lots of... Burping and swearing, but mm-hmm. she likes as well. Nice. Yeah. There was like a bubble in your throat did there, you, too. <laughs> I almost did a burp like, swear. Was that a Kermit? <laughs> oh. I was like, oh, Kermit's here. Classy. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, this is <laughs> all Can you edit out? <laughs> the, burp, the burp fart? <laughs> you know when people get that bubble in their throat and then like their voice all of a sudden just... Right? And then you like to figure out whether or not you... <laughs> you can't not laugh. Do you go with it? So I'm just going to acknowledge that your voice just completely... Right. Like, take a minute. Clear clear that. <clears throat> okay. Now come back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, really what if you funny. do that like in a job interview and they're like, oh, no, they, they like me because I had a bubble in my throat. So now I have to keep a bubble in my throat oh, the entire job. That's what they think my voice sounds like. <laughs> 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 like one time at, oh, here we go, at Thanksgiving, like my dad got a bubble in his throat at the same time that he said, <laughs> Ambrosia. Ambrosia? <laughs> and then you just cried laughing again. And I can't. Every time I hear the word ambrosia, I think of him. Because we were eating like ambrosia salad or something. Someone must have said, what is this thing called? And he was like, oh, it's ambrosia. <laughs> <laughs> like the bubble came. That almost sounded like Smeagol. <laughs> like my precious like ambrosia. His, his normal voice. and Ambrosia. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of oh which, man! My dad's on an airplane right now on his way to Seattle. Coming to see you for one whole month, and he better be getting those bubbles in his throat. He better be. We're gonna be eating some ambrosia. <laughs> 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 All right. On that note, moving on, we are going to drink the nectar of the gods uh, <laughs> as we oh, no. speak to Susanna Grace. Oh, Let's no. go with our interview okay. right about now. Susanna Grace, hello. Hello. Hi. How Thank you for that? having me, guys. No problem. Thanks for being here. Thanks for and coming. wearing that awesome shirt. It's, 
We are if summoning demons. If you are not watching the audio, you don't know how awesome her shirt is. It is. It's uh, very cool. Nice. Uh, so you are a, uh, a streamer, an illustrator, uh, a creator. Uh, what, 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 how would you describe yourself when people ask you what you, what you do here in the, in the D&D community? Um, I tend to just usually list off all the many things I do and get a distant look in my eyes. <laughs> um, but I, ju- I usually just say I'm a tabletop streamer or a variety streamer and freelance artist that tends to cover most things. Pe- all right. People have a, a frame of reference for some of that, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, and, and where, where, where are you from? What, what part of the world? I'm from the best bit of the UK. I'm from Yorkshire. Mmm, pudding. And the yeah. north of England. Nice. I was trying to place your accent. I was like, I'm going to get it wrong if I guess. Oh, my accent is all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> is it true that you can, you can kind of pinpoint, you know, location or upbringing from, from people like you have a good ear for it if you, if you grew up there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I was a kid, um, we moved to a different area and I sounded completely different to everybody else where we'd moved to. I was, when I was really tiny, I was super broad Yorkshire. So like imagine a 10-year-old tiny girl, Sean Bean, okay. oh. amped up to 100. That's what I was like. <laughs> that sounds adorable. That does sound adorable. You can tell accents, though, like even here in the U.S., Oh it's, sure. It's well, because because we're here in the U.S., but the U.K. Uh, and you know you're the expert here, so you know, tell us. But like, there's there's different accents for just small towns and and things, as well as class within those towns, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, you could tell somebody who's from South Yorkshire, so like Sheffield, because they'll say like instead of yourself, they'll say yourself and stuff like oh. that. Their accent is just slightly <clears throat> different, and but you can like pinpoint where somebody is from. Oh wow, oh, that is different. Fascinating. Very cool. Do you use all that in your in your in your streaming? Do you often play a character who's got an accent? Um, I tend not to. I did use so when I first started streaming. I had I didn't change my accent at all, but nobody could understand what I was saying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but on the first of August every year, which is Yorkshire Day in the UK, I stream using full Yorkshire accent. I have a brass band blaring in the background with all my music, and it's just. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we will be tuning in on that day because that know, sounds right? amazing. It's coming up soon. Yeah. So what's your history with D&D? Like when, when did you first start playing? Who introduced you? I actually came pretty late into D&D. Um, I played a couple of games of 4th edition at university with my housemates. Um, but it wasn't until I think it was like three, three or four years ago I tuned into Critical Role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, ooh, what is this? D&D? I played a bit of that at university. What's, what's it like these days? And it just completely just took over my life from that point onwards. Um, I started, um, I got a copy of the Curse of Strahd module, grabbed some friends. I was like, let's go. We're playing D&D. Um, and then just from that point onwards, it's like at the point where I'm, I'm role playing five day, uh, six days a week now. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Are you GMing all of these games or are you also a player? No, um, I DM only once a week now, uh, but it was twice a week. Um, I, I DM a Curse of Strahd campaign, which has been going on for over a year now. Um, but before that, I DM'd the viewer games on Encounter Roleplay. So it was like a series of interconnecting one shots. But the rest I managed to coast by on a player. I'm like, you do the work, I'll just show up to the sessions. Yeah, that's kind of nice. I'm that is really lie. nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like this podcast where we just show, show just up. Just kind of show up and let Ryan and Pelham do all the work. <laughs> Yeah. No, I let you all do all the work. Ah. 
Oh, you're in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's steering this thing? Yeah, no I one. thought you were doing oh, all no. the work. <laughs> Crash. Boom. That's why we all die at the end of every podcast. And rocks fall on our heads. <laughs> That's for sure. Okay, so you started, you watched Critical Role, and mm-hmm. then you got back into D&D. Mm-hmm. And then at what point, though, did you, did you take it from just playing with your buddies to streaming? Well... I didn't actually start out as a TTRPG streamer. Um, I um, did a lot of painting. So um, I digitally paint. So I record my screen and people can tune in and watch that happen. Oh, cool. And I'd been in like a real bad art rut. Like I'd not been able to do anything for years until Crit Roll came along. And then bam, I was just like drawing or painting something every week. And so I started doing regular art streams and from that point, it was people that would hang out in chat. I'd be like, yo, do you, do you kind of want to play some of this D&D rather than cry about it every week? <laughs> um, so we kind of started getting mini groups together. And then I sort of like got a Discord up and we started, um, I met, started making friends within like the TTRPG, like Twitch verse. Um, I sort of tentatively put a few games up on my channel. Like, oh, I don't know if anyone's going to be interested in this. Um, and then from that point onwards, it just spiraled out from there. I became friends with people that have their own channels and then they're like, come onto my channel. I'm like, okay. And then just from there, it just felt out of control. That's amazing. I mean, that is the true sense of, of community too, that happens in, uh, in everything here with the Dungeons and Dragons where, you know, you, you, you meet one person and then all of a sudden you met 10 other people and those 10 people know someone else. And then it just yeah. expands exponentially from there. And you're living it. You're living it right now. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I never felt more welcomed than into the tabletop community. So I, I was like tentatively on Twitter like, hi, um, I'm this weird girl that lives in the top of England. Uh, do you want to roll some dice? And then everybody's just like, come on, friend, and like sit at the table. And like, I've made some lifelong friends doing this. So oh, it's so great. cool. I love it. Now you seem to – Yeah, right, exactly. Never too late. Um, you seem to, to at least well, with Curse of Strahd being the uh, uh, impetus towards a lot of this. Uh, do you like the gothic, uh, the vampires, the, uh, the the darkness there? It's become a bit of a joke now that I have a brand. But if there's any character in anything that is like a count, evil and bougie, or a vampire, then that's like everybody just goes, "Susie, look at this!" and <laughs> bam. Um, but it was actually funny. I got into Ravenloft before I'd even got into D and D. I got a copy of Vampire of the Mist, which is like the um, the novel. Um, I love you're like pointing was, to it in your little book nook there. Yeah. Like, here it is, <laughs> right here, hand model. I, I got a, a <laughs> copy of Vampire in the Mists because uh, it was about vampires, and that's it's it's a thing. And um, I was like, this is based on D and D. Hmm. And then I saw Curse of Strahd was a thing, and then I got that. And uh, so anything gothic-y, anything horror-y, anything vampire-y, and I'm all over it. Why is that, do you think? What, what is it about uh, those type of characters that drew you in? Uh, Strahd, in particular, for me, is, is an interesting one, because he's just terrible. But he has this like tragic charisma about him in a way too that's really compelling he's he's a inhuman monster but at the same time he's really human in the fact that like 
his impetus for becoming the devil Strad was like, I'm running out of time. I'm becoming an old man. And I'm super jealous of my hot young brother and his beautiful wife. This sucks. You know, it's very human emotions. And you get to, with horror in particular, explore a lot of, of emotion and, and what drives people. Mm. And I really like that about that. Oh. And no joke, the way you describe him is exactly how you could describe several characters on The Bachelorette. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not a character. Contestants like he's terrible human being, but still, like there's like this compelling right. tragicness about them. That the difference that's why is you can't turn one's away. created uh, as a story, and you know he's a monster. One is just some dude who's they're, just a monster. They're also quite tropey, though. <laughs> I do right. feel like there's some there's some parallels. Yeah, I can see that. I this could that. inspire me. What if they're if they see? Would you like and maybe pay attention to the Bachelorette or its ilk more if there was vampires involved? Oh, hundred percent. What if it was all vam- <laughs> vampires with a vampire living? It, if it's terrible. The, the vampire vampires living the vampire It's done. We just did it. I, I got the name. Yes, we're gonna run with it. And like the winner, or what if there's humans, but the lead is a vampire, and you have to decide, like, not just on a proposal, but are you going to accept? Oh wow! Turning into a vampire. Oh my gosh! Oh my god! That sounds horrible. Goosebumps! You have goosebumps. I do not. I've got. That would be an amazing dating sim video game. We should make this. Okay. Inspired. (laughs) We need art stat. Yes, you can do that too. I'm on it. She's. We'll cancel the stream right now. We're just going to spend the rest of this time brainstorming and coming up with concept art. Let's do it. Um, so there is a show that we have to make. <laughs> yes. So we're going to work on that. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, mm-hmm. so you have worked with Encounter Roleplay. Yes. So how did you team up with, with that crew? Well, it kind of, Will, years ago, and like, this is like three, four years ago when I first started streaming, messaged me saying, hey, we should, you know, do you want to come on at some point and come play with us? And it was a point where, um, our schedules just could not line up. We could not get anything going. And it, was, it wasn't until last year where I actually managed to get on Encounter Roleplays. I, I kind of knew Will through t- Twitter and, and through just casually hanging out in the, uh, the um, Twitch chat for a bit. But um, yeah, and he sort of came on and he saw, he's hosted my channel a bunch and hung out in my channel. He saw me DMing. And he was like, yo, do you want to come on and DM the viewer game? You can, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, yes, okay. Mm. <laughs> Uh, just from there, really. That's awesome. That is pretty awesome. See, again, this is how the community operates. Right. They, everybody helps each other. Everybody invites each other to be on Lift part of their group. There's not, they're not like competitive. Like you would think in some industries there might be competitiveness. We're all doing mm. the same thing. We've all seen showgirls. We've all seen <laughs> showgirls, unfortunately. <laughs> we know how the other half are. Uh, it's just incredible. It's true. So, what is it like uh, DMing for uh, for stream rather than just playing? I mean, what what you're you saying before? How you just kind of like jump in and you kind of make it happen? Are you more of an improvisational dungeon master? Um, I've become much more of an improv uh, DM. Before, I had notebooks that were like filled with intricate notes, and I've got cards stuck all over my walls with like stats and names on them, um, but. I ended up with groups that were very unpredictable mm. in the absolute best way, absolute best way. But, uh, for example, with my Curse of Strad group, which we, we have affectionately called ourselves Bite Club. Um, <laughs> oh, that's good. It was, <laughs> I pitched Ravenloft to them because uh, 
I think only one of them was really quite familiar with Ravenloft. Um, and I was like, you know, but we want to make it kind of fun because it can get really, really dark and just abysmal. And, and the world's dark and abysmal as it is right now. Um, let's, let's make it a little bit fun. Um, I was like, it's going to be like kind of like Van Helsingy, you know, like a bit of camp, a bit of flash, a bit of good action. And then it turned into Ravenloft by well of Mel Brooks. Mm. Um, and any notes, any preparations I had for the session, I may as well just like put the book aside while they're playing because they'll just do something. I, I put in, um, being a Ravenloft fan, I put in uh, Lady Jacqueline Montari from one of the novels. And one of my players who, who plays in a 40-year-old sort of silver screen siren with a silver nose and a withered arm decided she wanted to seduce the headless horsewoman and make her her wife. And so I'm sitting there going, She's a villain. She's she, she's helping. She's helping Strut. What? What? Okay. <laughs> sure. Congratulations. You'll be very happy together <laughs> <laughs> for a while until things start to until, decay. Yeah. The withering occurs even more. Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. a good DM though. You went with it. Okay. Yeah. This like, happen. That's the number one thing I've learned is. As a DM, you're there to to have fun yourself, but you're also there to facilitate play for your players and for them to have fun and be heroes and whatever shape that takes. Sometimes you get murder hobos, so you just give them more and more things to fight. Sometimes you get people who want to smooch everything, so you give them people to smooch. And then sometimes you get, you know, shopping episodes. It's just, you got to facilitate play. For sure, yeah. And I like that you were like, all right, well, I was going to go this completely different way with this character, but all right. Solution tracks. Let's go yeah. for the let's go for the marriage episode, shall we? <laughs> yeah, you can't get precious. You know, you gotta just roll with it. Right. That's that's actually very good advice. Yeah, it seems like smooching is a big part of at least the the appeal for for Curse of Strahd and all those things. Have, have you found yeah. that to be to be true? Yeah, I found that to be true on myself as well. I actually played in the Curse of Strahd one. I mean, if you spend more than five minutes on my Twitter account, you know that I would like smooch any vampire. And Strahd, Strahd's on, he's on the list. Even though he's terrible, he's on the list. Um, but yeah, that's a universal thing. I think every campaign I've seen, at least one person has wanted to, you know, seduce Strahd. And what do you, I mean, because that's, I think, a, a hallmark of that genre for sure. And how there, there might be some dungeon masters out there that are like, oh, I, don't, I know how to run the fighty bits and I know how to run the, the role-playing conversation in town bits, but how do you do, do, you do romance, romance? romance well? Right? We so need a the, romance table. Right, exactly. Yeah. How does it work? I don't I know. I don't know. You tell us, Susanna. Um, when, a, so, when a vampire loves a woman. <laughs> or a vampire loves another vampire. <laughs> When two undead creatures love each other very much. Uh, another one will pop up, and that's Kirsten Dunst. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a tricky one because uh, romance is something that is very different when you watch it on screen. But when it's happening to you or your characters or one of the NPCs, it can be easy to get really embarrassed, especially if there's a bit of... Um, embarrassment in general because I know a lot of DMs kind of get that stage fright in front of their players where it's like oh I've got to do the good voices and I've got to do the, the really good descriptions and they get scared to like push themselves out of that comfort zone to just do the goblin voice mm -hmm. and uh I know for me personally 
it's it's more effective. I do get that sort of like blush to my cheeks when one of my players is like, I would like to spend a morning, a long coffee morning with this headless horsewoman. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> the cheeks go. But it's just about, I don't know, trusting your players, trusting them to not laugh at you when you artfully pan to the fireplace. You know, it's just, you've just got to roll with it, I think. Mm. And check the uh, comfort levels with your players too, because some people at that table might not be comfortable with that stuff. Um, you know, they might not be comfortable with a sex scene or with a, a, an extended romance scene. So like with that, with um, my bike club, I was like, we're not going to go into the details. We, we know how it's done and we know everybody has fun, but we're just going to pan to the windowsill as the neck curtain drifts in the breeze and then we cut to black and we move on to the next scene, you know, that kind of stuff. I like how you described that too, like the, yes. pan, to the pan to the fireplace. Yes. That's, that's no, very much a good way to, you know what's happening, but you're, you're not like, going to make them roll to see like, eh, well, wasn't that great? Roll the three. <laughs> <laughs> roll a performance check. Like, <laughs> They're undead. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like, if there's not. I mean, it's just yes. The way that you des- describe it and the way that you explain how best to do that, I think, is the best way. Although you could have some fun with right. the players. Well, and then we were. I, I well, think it's really. Check. It's really smart to do the check in with folks. And we were talking yeah. uh, uh, last week's interview that Shelley was not at. Uh, the whole system of like, okay, everything's okay. Like the the um, red light, yellow light, green light type thing. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this is all right, but we're re- approaching something. Okay, no, this is a hard yep. stop. And I think for something like this, especially with players that you may not, uh, uh, you know, know as as intimately as someone who you've been gaming with for thirty years or something like that, and which you're encountering online in a live situation. Um, yes, it's always it's very smart to uh, make sure that everyone is is on the same page. But I also think that uh, establishing those things early on too, like okay, we're going to have a, a a a kind of campaign where this could happen, and lets everybody be a, talk through that and mm-hmm. see that make sure everyone's okay with that. Yeah, I mean, for example, I've um, I'm a couple of sessions into a, a Song of Ice and Fire campaign with some friends, Ooh. and that world has some grim stuff in it. But before we even talked about what the game would be, we sat down and discussed like what things we would be comfortable with having in that game, what things we just wouldn't at all. We used the um, the XNO system yeah. um, by Kiana Shaw, uh, who's lovely, by the way, Kiana. Yay. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's very important to establish those boundaries beforehand because even if you do as well, sometimes it can come up in game. You don't know sometimes that you have a line or a veil until it appears. But it's important to have that that discussion so everyone at the table knows it's safe that if something does come up, they can be like, Mm-mm, I don't want this. But there's also like the other, uh, you know, all that is, is, is super important, but the, the spotlighting must be a thing that, is difficult to manage, right? Where you're like, okay, you're going to have this scene that is a one-on-one scene between the dungeon master and our player. What do the other three people do while that's happening? Right. That's a good question. I think for scenes like that, it's it's important to um, make sure that around the scene, people are engaged. So if, if you're going to have a, a moment where it is one-on-one, with one person for a little while, make sure that everybody else has had their moments or will be having their moments. Cause there's nothing worse than sitting there and just twiddling your thumbs while everybody else is having fun, wondering if you're going to have your turn at any point. Yeah. And one thing I do like a lot with my groups is we have a sort of uh, in-game chat box 
where everybody can uh, sort of chat along as scenes are happening. So even if you're not in a scene, you can talk about it with everybody else in the game who's also not in the scene. And you can, you know, you can still stay engaged. And because I've seen it before and I've, I've had it before and I've been guilty of it before where I've not been included in a scene. I've kind of like, oh, what's happening on Twitter? Ooh, mm. Mm, memes. And then, <laughs> you know, your turn comes up and you're like, what? <laughs> so it's, I think it's stuff just to, and keep checking with people as well. If you're going to have a, a, a long segment, maybe have a break in between where it's like, we'll cut back to the other team and see what they're doing and stuff like that. That is a good. That's a very good piece of advice. Yeah, um, that's them. It's got to be even more difficult as as far as doing more online stuff, keeping people engaged. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you, do you have hard rules about that, or <clears throat> just more about you know, like you're like you're saying, making sure there's outlets for them to at least be be typing, even if they're not not speaking. Yeah, I don't necessarily have a hard rule. I, I know some people are like no other internet sources. Some people I've seen some uh, where it's like don't even open Twitch chat while you're playing. You know, mm. you should be in the game. Um, but I, I'm also very aware that for some people they need to have an external stimulus. For some people, it's very very difficult to sit and focus on one thing for too long. I mean, like you know, some people can't just sit and stare at a screen when when they're not being engaged so some people have to go off and do other things and that's absolutely fine and mm-hmm. i have no problem with that so long as it's not disruptive um you know if you get your phone out and you start playing videos over the microphone then i would have a problem with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know if 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 you have to take take a few seconds just to you know just do something else for a second occupy your hands or or stare at a window to get a bit of that that good dopamine from seeing the sky, then that's, you know, it's great. That's why I like having these, you know, the, not like I'm talking about uh, Beetle and Grimm so much, but I like having physical props at the table yeah. for that reason too, is where, you know, they might be fiddling, they might be using their hands while they're, uh, um, you know, improvising or, or just listening to what the other players are doing. But at least it's something that is mm-hmm. a physical representation of something in game. Uh, you know, it's almost like a fidget spinner type thing where you're like, you're, you're <laughs> doing something. Yeah, but it's, you know, and it keeps you keeps you engaged. Yeah. And maybe the typing and the other thing does that for the folks too. Like all of this stuff, like the art, like, you know, it just keeps you immersed in the story and just having right. the handouts and things. And you don't, mm-hmm. I mean, you can make that stuff yourself. You can write something right. on a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be so elaborate. It's harder to do when you're doing only online games with folks though. Oh, that's true. Unless yeah. you send the specific prop to each one of your players. <laughs> Yeah, I can just hold it up. Here's a tooth of Strahd. Uh, open the package that I sent you guys last week. Okay. Pull out envelope A. And then it opens up as like pulverized bone with like blood on it. And you're like, oh. <laughs> Got oh. crushed in the, in the sending. <laughs> oh, shoot. Didn't insure that one. <laughs> so you said, so when you were with Encounter Roleplay, you were doing one-offs? Yeah, it was a, um, I did two seasons of it. Um, and it was a, a series of loosely connected one shots. Um, so the first one was called The Order, and it was about a group of uh, a, um, a guild of monster hunters, and they were sent out every week to go hunt a different monster. And that rapidly went downhill to me just vaguely ripping off um, B movies every week. Nice. Uh, which was great. It was a lot, a lot of fun. And then the season after that was called Once Upon a Time. And that was kind of Brooklyn Nine-Nine meets Shrek. They were police in a fantasy city called Tailandia. And that was, I actually, at one point, I was crying laughing and nobody could say anything for like five minutes because we were all in tears. I get that. 
I can understand that. That's, yeah, that's Shelly's M.O. Pretty much every every episode. <laughs> every episode. She's just over in the corner crying, and I'm like, I'm Sobbing trying. in the corner. <laughs> Happily sobbing in a corner. That's super fun. I love that episodic nature of like, all right, you have a, a, a thing you're dealing with each time. Mm-hmm. So were you running each of the one shots, or was yes. it different DM? But did you have the same no. group of people? No, uh, people? we had a call cast of uh, two or three people. And then it was uh, people from the chat from Encounter Roleplay that could sign up to come and play. And it changed every week. So uh, mm, sometimes cool. we did get returning faces, but other times we I just saw all sorts of people coming in. So is your, I imagine the answer would be yes to this, but I guess how, is your prep different when you're running these one-offs as opposed to running a long-term campaign? Yeah, um, very much so. For a campaign, uh I kind of, I would chat to the players. I'd be like, what do you want to do? Or, or I've, if it's my friends, I kind of know what they want out of their campaign. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll still check in with them. For example, in Bike Club, one of the players wants to be a werewolf more than anything else in the world. It's just what he wants. So at some point, that opportunity will be made to him. And I will prep to make sure that maybe someday along the road, he might get a little bite. And oh no, he might be a werewolf. Oops. Um, but when you're doing a one-shot, for me, what I found was just to have a loose framework of of the general plot of that episode, as it were, and then you just let them meander through it. Uh, it's not as much as goal-oriented or, like, player-oriented. It is more story time-ish. Kind of feels a little bit more railroady. But when you're doing a one-shot, you kind of have to railroad because you don't have yeah. the luxury of having a six-hour shopping episode when, you know, you've got to go and, and kill Snow White. <laughs> Now I want to do like uh, a series of one shots that's just shopping. I know. That is <laughs> There's going to be nothing else going on. You're going to basically the you know, equivalent of a fantasy mall and uh, mm-hmm. you know, have at it and then try to weave a plot around mall rats. <laughs> that would be great. Though. Yeah. That would okay, that would be a lot of fun. Um, but you're right. There is there is some buy-in by the players for uh, the plot of whatever the one shot is going to be that people are like, "All mm-hmm. right, well, we're not going to be questioning the motivations of this clearly plot-driven character who just came up, uh, you know, you kind of want to go with it. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. you can't, uh, in a one-shot, you know, the guy comes up to you in the tavern and is like, yo, <laughs> I heard that there's this in the woods, wink. You can't be like, what is your motivation, sir? You know, is this a greater <laughs> plot? No, you just have to be like, cool, let's go get it. Because it's a one-shot, you got a limited time to do it. With a campaign, sure. And I've had characters that have gone up to my players in campaigns and been like, you should check out this thing. And my players have gone, no. I stab him in his winky eye. (laughs) 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 And then that leads to another adventure. So all of a sudden it worked anyway. There's all these story hooks everywhere. (laughs) Right, exactly. Oh, that's awesome. So where else have you been? I know that you do a lot of different live streams with a lot of different groups it seems well other than encounter roleplay where have you um earlier this year i was on uh webdm the twitch uh stream in a campaign which is very very dear to my heart called the lost girls which was about vampires i was gonna say like the lost boys that Mm -hmm. was one of my favorite movies we just talked about that like two weeks ago Mm -hmm. i think they're remaking it what Mm? did i make that up did I make that up? You, you just got everybody's uh, I thought, uh, I heard, vampire fangs out. Why are we talking out. about it then? If not, because it popped up in the news. Her fangs came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I'm just putting it out to the universe so they do. They should. I thought they were. Well, anyway. There's so many we'll vampire stories out there. Um, that's exciting. Uh, tell us about the Lost Girls. It's confirmed? It's confirmed. <gasps> I didn't know that. 
I well, think that's, that's why we were talking about it. Now this just turned into a you know Lost Boys remake fan, Breaking fan news. podcast. Oh, a TV version. Ooh. I can get behind that. I yeah. love TV. Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland is in it. Oh. No, I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> now you're now you've gone too far. I know, right? Keanu Reeves is in it. <laughs> no. Let's just I mean, let's just go with it. Even in the first one. So. Right, right, he is in everything else. Uh, yeah, so what was the Lost Girls like? Is that your 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 version of, of the Lost Boys, but even cooler? It kind of was, uh, but it, it was absolutely buck wild. So there were, uh, it was basically about a house of, of vampire women living together. The cast was all female, and, uh, and our DM was female. And there was uh, me, so I was this punk kid from the 80s. I was into rock music and disrespecting authority and, you know, you're not my real dad, kind of. <laughs> um, we had a time-traveling vampire from the future and Ooh. she'd come from this dystopian universe where the vampires had won over humanity. Cool. And she wanted to know what it was like to be a human. So my vampire was like, oh, I'm going to show you all the TV. We're going to drink so much. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, we had a, um, a Russian... Um, communist vampire from the Bolshevik um, revolution. We had one from the American Great Depression who was into technology because she sort of saw the pinnacle of technology turning in that time and was really interested in it. So she was like a, a, a neon 80s vampire. And then we had a um, like a really, really old from the American Civil War vampire. And it was just about the lives and the loves of these women who also happened to be vampires. So it was much more role play than it was like um, a game as it were. It was mm. more like a radio show. Um, but it was fantastic. What, that sounds amazing. What system did you did you use for that? We used the cipher system for that, oh, okay, but slightly cool. modified. So we sort of merged the pools into two separate pools. So we had a blood pool, which was like your health and your abilities. So, uh, for example, my vampire was very about strength and doing really cool stuff. So she could spend like a bunch of blood points to like do anything physically. Like she stopped a subway train. Cool. Like, just with, you know, sheer strength of oh, will. Oh, that's cool. Um, and then we had a humanity pool, which was, you know, the worst things you do as a vampire, the lower your humanity is. And uh, if you go to zero, then you become feral. And that happened to me. <laughs> Whoa. That almost sounds fun, though. So you ate the train? <laughs> she stopped uh, the train and then on she boarded the train. it. And, ate <laughs> and then ate everyone and on ate the train. all the people. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, <laughs> well, that happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the people, who were the people that you played with in this group? Were they people that you knew Previously, or had played with previously? I played with most of them previously. Um, uh, so the GM was Charlie Frost from Fire, and she is she's a one woman TTRPG uh, powerhouse. You'll see her and everything everywhere. She's like taking over the world. Um, the, a couple of the players was uh, Emma from WebDM, their comms um, manager and director. Lovely, lovely Emma. Love Kiana. Uh, Kiana Shaw, the creator of the safety system, was there. Uh, we had Lindy, Laugh, Love, Lindy, and uh, Ephemera, Ephemeroptera. Uh, she was oh, a whole bunch. I'd not played with Lindy or um, Anna, Ephemera before, uh, and Emma. So it was great to meet these new people, as well as play with people I'd played before. Yeah. To get that kind of little comfort of, you know, I know these people, I don't know these people. Okay, now we're all best friends. Yeah, that was so that was kind of my question. Like, what? It, how do you handle... And I guess 
it true also when you're the dungeon master, but how do you handle groups that maybe don't know each other? Because it's hard. I have a hard time playing with people that I have never met in real life mm-hmm. before. And it's just, it makes me feel a little shy and awkward because I don't know what they're like when they play. Mm. So how do you handle it? What are tips as a player and a DM? For me, uh, if I'm playing with people I don't know before, I just, like, I'm a really introverted person. So I see new people and I'm like, ah, the, you know, the shakes start, the panic is in. But I kind of squash it. And I'm like, we're all here. We all don't know each other. So let's make an effort. So I, as a DM, if I'm, if I'm playing with new people, I will like address people directly. And so I'd be like, Greg, what does your character do? You know, what, what do you feel about this situation? Just to make sure that, you know, like everybody's being involved. Because mm. the worst thing is when you're kind of too shy to say anything. So you kind of hover on the right. periphery. So I, I try and be that person that tries to involve everybody. So if I notice somebody hasn't spoken for a while as a player or a GM, I would turn to them and I'd ask them something or I would chat to them in character or something like that just to, just to include them. Yeah. That's that's good. Now you are also you do this stuff. Mo- most of the games you do are online, mm-hmm. so there's also sometimes that awkwardness because you don't have like the tells that you do around the table that somebody's mm-hmm. about to say something, mm-hmm. and so it, like you get scared of like stepping on somebody else's words or being interrupted or like oh we both talked at the same time oh okay no you go no I'll go and then you're just like you know I'm just not going to talk <laughs> I'm not going to talk until I'm sure that nobody else is talking in this room. But there's just like it, it can, there's a lot of awkwardness to it. You, you have to be, you have to be skilled at how to finesse. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes uh, I've been in groups where they're all British people. So if we've accidentally spoken over one another, we'll be like, no, 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 you, no, you, no, you, <laughs> and it's you kind of end up in like a British standoff of politeness. But at some point, and I know I've done it before, I've just been like, ah, I've got to be the person to just talk. I've just got to yeah. do it. Um, and I know sometimes that um, in person, too, I've been talked over quite a lot in real life. You know, people are just like, oh, sh- whatever. She- it's Susie. She's whatever. And I've just been like, no. <laughs> so it's just getting that, that confidence. I'm the dungeon master. Yeah. <laughs> My voice will be heard on this. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be. For that, for that skill, it really is uh, podcasting is, is very important. I think I, I just was doing it right now. I'm like, oh, she's, I'm going to let her keep talking until she's done and then, right? But <laughs> right. it is, and I think that you become a little bit more hypersensitive to that too when you're only talking with, you know, in the mm-hmm. small monitors and rectangles is that you see, I mean, at least I do, start to pick up just subtle signals. I'm like, oh, that person is waiting to talk and I'm going to give up the floor now. Yeah, I know. I, um, I, I very much, uh, I pay a lot of attention to people's mouths because usually when people are about to speak, they go, they right. open their mouth uh-huh. and you're like, ah, okay, I'm just going to shut up. But then, you know, there is that lag issue, but sometimes I've noticed like if, if lag kicks in as I'm talking, I'll be like, oh no, okay, that's a bit of lag. I'm just going to, it's fine. But it, it's, you've just got to be, I don't know, pay a lot more attention to people's faces and what they're doing. I think um, in person, you know, you can just be like, I'm talking now, but online, you've really got to zero in. It's true. It is true. Yeah. And uh, there's some groups that are different too. I mean, I think uh, uh, there can be, when it's a large enough people at a, at a physical table, you know, you can have two or three conversations happening and no one gets upset about that. But when you're doing it mm-hmm. online, it's like you can't really have those side conversations at all. And you, you almost have to 
pay attention to what the, where the audience should be paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's another thing that uh, I try and get people to use the in-group chats for. Because mm. table talk is really tempting. You know, somebody does something hilarious or you want to make a joke out of something that's just happened. And it's so tempting to just be like, blip, joke or reference or meme. But then you also have to remember <laughs> with a stream, you don't have that that you know that great sort of space to do it in because you're talking directly into microphones which are going directly into people's ears so i'm i'm always like guys the memes are great but can we just <laughs> or uh with bike club because they cannot be contained i will just sit back for a second and just be like get it out of your systems right let the memes wash over yeah. me yeah Bully Strahd. I'm trying to make him scary, but go ahead, bully him for ten minutes. I'll just, I'll just sit here and cry. <laughs> Somehow that's more terrifying. Yeah. If you're when just your dungeon slowly cries. drinking and just crying, one tear, one tear. <laughs> like blood, but it's a blood-colored tear that comes down. No, like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, honestly, on. though, we had one situation where Strahd had captured Arena. They didn't really seem to care that he captured Arena, but he had her. <laughs> And they had just come out of Argen Vostholt and he had arrived. And it was Halloween, so we're all in costumes. I'm dressed up as Strahd. I've got my teeth in, I've got my contacts in, I can't see a thing. <laughs> like big fur up on my shoulder. And I'm and I'm trying to deliver this monologue as Strahd. You know, he's got this wedding invitation, he's all grandiose, his chin's high, and he's all like bougie and snobby. And they're all hiding in bushes and smack talking him. Oh. And I'm just like, what are you doing to my scene? <laughs> but again, it's about not being precious. So it turned out to be one of the funniest, most memorable moments we've had of the campaign. Um, but I had envisaged it as this great dramatic moment. <laughs> and they That's were trash-talking from the bushes? Yeah. So uh, also in my campaign, uh, they have a baby with them who is Strahd's son. <gasps> and they're hiding him from him. So they came out of Argen Vostalt with this baby, saw his carriage appear and went, whoops, and dove into the bushes to hide to keep this baby from him. And he obviously knows it's there. I mean, it's Strahd. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they're just, but because they can't help themselves, they were just hide. So their characters are like, like little eyes sticking out the top of these bushes being like, your boots suck. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Arriving in a carriage Hit him where just it transport. Hurts. Right, right with his his footwear his fashion choices i know it's so mean to him <laughs> rude uh that that's bold because uh, he's strahd but you're also the dungeon master i mean you could yeah. just be like say it to my face bitches and then just yeah. kill them all i did get a great moment of uh payback when they were in the crypts of castle ravenloft and they, they made me go through each individual tomb one by one to see what was in them it took two sessions um, oh, but when God. they finally got to his tomb, there was he was there sleeping, and the panic on their faces was beautiful. And I was like, "That's what you get for sassing me." <laughs> yes, see, and the dungeon master always wins. These boots are going to walk all over you. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned um, Critical Role. Uh, do you yep. still watch Critical Role? I do. Yeah, every week. What other streams do you like? I mean, other than Dragon Talk. Dragon Talk is my favorite. Fishing for compliments over here. Um, God, I watch a whole bunch, um, mainly uh, streams that my other friends do. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll I'll pop up and I'll be like, "You do it, do a good job, kill them all." I'm so proud (laughs) of you. Um, 
but I also, I really love the Acquisitions Incorporated C team. I love watching mm-hmm. them. I listen to a lot of podcasts too. So I'll, I listen to uh, the Adventure Zone um, and a whole bunch, uh, too many to name. But um, yeah, basically all my media content is, is TTRPG stuff these days. Do you find that like helps your, uh, you know, obviously it's entertaining, but like do you think it helps dungeon mastering or playing if, as, you're, as you're consuming all that stuff? Oh, absolutely, because you can see other DMs in action and see what they do. So, you know, if you come across, if you're, if you're kind of stuck in a place, you can watch what other DMs do when things get tricky. Mm. And you can be like, ah, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Or, or the way a DM would approach uh, a certain situation, like, you know, or, or, what, or a voice or a characterization or something like that. I mean, I've had uh, NPCs from my games that, I've basically just copy pasted from a friend's campaign. So I'm like, Oh, I like that steel. Hmm, easy. Uh, easy. Into yeah. mine. Uh, but it's also because, you know, you can, you can see other, how other players react to stuff too, and see, see what the general reactions to things are. Did, did these look like this thing? Did they like this thing? Did this work? Did this kind of fall a bit flat? And so it's just kind of like building up your general experience. Yeah. Yeah, I think mean, that's true. I think that's kind of where we're in this this crazy age where there's probably more hours consumed by people playing, you know, the, uh, the, probably the more uh, than people are actually able to play. Uh, well, of course, much more, right? Which mm-hmm. means that there's this wealth that whenever you do get it at the table, you have all of these inspirations to draw from. When in the past, you might have only had a novel that you might have read or a movie that you liked or, you know, a certain genre that you were digging into. But now you just, everybody's got this, you know, hundreds of hours of stuff watched where they can be like, oh, this is just like, you know, what Matt did in episode 13 of, of Critical Role or like this is what Chris Perkins did or this is what my friend Kiana did or what you guys are all doing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that's... That's awesome, and then we—I I, I don't think there's ever been a point in this hobby where there's been so much of that out there before. Yeah, and and like because because the tabletop community is so rewarding and so like inclusive and welcoming too, you could reach out to one of these DMs. Yeah, you can send them a, a tweet or or a Twitter DM or like a Discord message and be like, "Yo, I'm kind of stuck on this. Do you have any ideas? Any help?" Or you could just put like a tweet out into the void and you will get a response. Yeah. Have you done that a lot when you were like, ah, here's something. Let's, let's, let's crowdsource this a bit. I did it before I started Bike Club when it was going to be a bit more serious. I was like, I kind of want to put the Balvertsy in my game and I want one of them to take a dagger and have to kill somebody. Can somebody help me stat up this Balvertsy dagger? And I had tons of responses. And it, was, it was so helpful and people were like, yo, Ravenloft though and then so we got you know talking about and from there you know you just start building up these connections what what type of dagger I don't, I'm not familiar with that um there's a guild of assassins in Ravenloft called the Balvertsy and it's said with their daggers that the sheaths are made of the skin of their first victim oh Ooh. and then if a Balvertsy dagger is drawn it has to draw blood before it can be resheathed it's the knife that Strad used to kill his brother <laughs> mm. I think you just got Shelly in. So did you did you add it to your game? Did it's you take in there. They haven't found it, but it's in there. It's in the one crypt they didn't go into. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the one next to where Strahd was sleeping. Right. The one where I'm like, big, big neon arrow. Mm-mm. Yeah, right. No, don't yeah. open this We'll one. pass that one. You definitely don't want to do that. Or make fun of his boots. 
These are all faux pas. Yes. I'm very Terrible. offended on his behalf. Well, that's really cool. Nice. Are you going to start DMing, you think? No. Are you getting, you getting more you're getting No, more because into it? the more we talk to these amazing dungeon masters, like yourself, Susanna, the more I realize that is way too much work. But it doesn't have to be, right? She just said that, that, that you can improvise your way out of anything. I don't know if that's, a, if that's good advice for a new dungeon master. <laughs> what if like, they go left? You, I didn't write that down. Um, really, like, what would you tell a new dungeon master? Like, what, is it better to be prepared or is it better just to be like, eh? It's not going to go the way you think anyway, so just improvise. That is, that's my biggest uh, bit of advice, really. Just don't sweat. Like, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to get a rule wrong. You're going to do a voice and then forget it five seconds later, and your players are like, who's this? And you're like, you know, the guy in the tavern, you've just spoken to him. But it's as long as you're with a group that's, that's open and trusting and, and friendly, then that's not a problem. You can you can screw up. You can be like, guys, I need 10 seconds just to flick through my notes because I'm lost. Or let me check a rule for this. It, it's fine. You're not expect. I think there's this new DM sort of thing where you're expected to be like the god emperor of the rules and mm. know everything. And you're supposed to have the whole universe sitting in your head. Whereas like a lot of the time, I'm just like, what's the coolest thing we could do? Yeah. And... and with regards to like prep, it, you know, some people, it depends, you know, your mileage may vary. Some people do like to have reams and reams of notes. They like to have pre-written sections. They like to have this. Other DMs like to be like, it's the shop. It's, it's the dragon shop and it's got swords in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And they're it, sharp, it, mostly. Mo- mostly. Some have notches in them and one's not got a handle on it. Uh, that one's a bit cheaper, <laughs> I guess. You know, it, it, it's just trying to just trying to put too much pressure on yourself as a new DM. Just chill out, relax. If you need to have a quiet five minutes, if your players are making you want to pull your hair out your heads because they're just trying to kill everything, just take a breath. Chill out. Is it better to have a group that's uh, more uh, experienced or have new players? Um, that's a tricky one. If you're a new dungeon master. If you're a new dungeon master. Yeah. Um, I think having a mix, if possible, would be the optimal because then you have the experienced players where you can be like, dude, what is this rule? Uh, You know, can you help me out here? Uh, What's flanking again for the 90th time today? Um, (laughs) But then you have the new players who don't have the... Years and years and years of this is right. what D and D should be like baked in, and they go, "Can I just steal the wings off this thing and fly down the cliff?" And you go, "Yes, that's really cool. You can do that." You know, the new players tend to not have that baked in that you should have a healer, a tank, and a DPS. You know, new players like I want to be a tiefling that has twelve horns and shoots lightning out of his butt, and you're like, "That's." That's cool. You, they get a breath of fresh air, yeah. you know. I want to play that character that now, sounds actually. Awesome. The, the, the lightning like, butt Quinn tiefling. Would play the lightning butt tiefling. <laughs> um, but uh, 13 horns, butt. though. I would have 13 horns. For sure. Yeah, right? Because why do they have to be an even number? You know? Baker's dozen. Be crazy. Um, also, with new players, is my, th- the, my thinking is that 
you don't want to overwhelm them with a lot of rules, so you don't have to know as many rules because you're not going to give them as many rules. Like you're like you were saying, like you want to steal the wings and fly. I feel like as a dungeon master, I could figure out how to see if that actually happened. Like make them roll for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure on the back of the DM screen it tells me something close that I can. What kind of check they would have to do. Right. And then if it doesn't, just make it up. Be like, ah, uh, athletics. Yeah. Right, sure. Yeah. I'll make the number up in my head. That's, flying seems complicated if you're not a character who can fly. So yeah. maybe so you better maybe roll high. 14 or something. Roll high. Roll high. That's what I do when I'm with the kids. It's just, you know, we didn't really get into the ephemera of like what your bonus and what your modifiers are and anything. I was yeah, like, hey, if you got, roll the dice. you know, 12 or higher, I'm like, yeah, okay, you probably hit. All right. Oh, nope, you got a one. Nope, you probably didn't hit. Oh, okay. You didn't hit, but maybe your friend gave you a push off. You can help him. Exactly. Now. Okay. Oh, my God. I just DM'd. See, I think you do have to DM. I think I just DM'd. Yeah. Did it. <laughs> I, I was just transported. Like, oh, my God. One of the biggest DM secrets is sometimes you make them roll and it doesn't matter because the thing was really cool anyway. Or, you know, you can be like, yeah, you could roll to see if you can push this old lady into a fireplace, which did happen into one of my games. <sighs> but, like, the DC was, like, two because it was funny. <laughs> You know, and it's an like, old lady. She, yeah, you know, she doesn't have good balance. She was a hag. You know, oh. it's fine. Like halfway bent over anyway. Right. Just push around. Like the monster hag or just an actual old lady hag? <laughs> like actual monster hag. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> good, good to differentiate. It, it's important, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most of the old ladies you meet are, are just, you know, right. normal hags. Right. Yeah, but you can never trust them. No. Not in D&D. You see an old person, you're like, mm. 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 And in real life, I mean, come on. <laughs> Never trust old people. Is I think what we're the, the, that's pretty much like the, the tenant. Seat. This is what people we want people who listen to Dragon Talk to really take with them is is to uh, uh, kill, kill all the olds. Um, <laughs> I actually just said that so you would snarf. Did it work? <laughs> Don't hold it in. You can spit it out. It's totally okay. You have the thing right there. Oh my god! I feel like I broke. Like, oh my god! Oh my god! Not only did you break yourself earlier on, but now I broke you. That's it is my sensitive. Fault. You know, I just spent twenty minutes <laughs> choking on nothing. All I had to do is just say "kill them all," and you're like, "Kill the olds, <laughs> kill the olds, Greg, kill the olds, Tito." <laughs> it's gonna be on my tombstone. Yep, you'll find it Those, in the in the vaults next to Strahd. You had to kill yourself eventually. <laughs> you're gonna be an old. Uh, so thank you so much for taking us through all of, uh, uh, you know, the different, uh, things that you've been doing. What's, how can people start to follow what you're doing and, 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 and start to, uh, you know, figure out how they can drink the blood of the innocent? <laughs> the easiest way would be to follow me on Twitter, uh, which is at Susanna Grace. Uh, Susanna with one N, and I only distinguish this because there's some poor American lady that keeps Aww. getting tweets about vampires, and she's so confused. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so, so um, yeah, hit me up on Twitter, um, please. Yeah, I love chatting about like D and D, Ravenloft, vampires, anime, uh, anything, just memes. Share them with me. I love them. Um, or uh, I do have a Twitch channel, uh, which is uh, twitch.tv forward slash Susanna Grace, the same mono branding. You can find me everywhere at Susanna Grace. And I will, if I'm, if I'm on a different channel, I'll like post links. I'll talk about my games. I'll ask questions to people. Uh, yeah. We didn't even talk about your art. Let us know all about your art. Tell us about your art. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, so I'm a um, digital painter. Um, that specializes in like fantasy stuff. 
Uh, I've recently just done a bunch of art for the Spy Game by Black Cats Gaming, which is a 5E-powered spy modern-day adventure mm. system thingy-majig. Sorry, Sam, I butchered that, um, which is a, just a quick start has just gone out. Um, but I'm looking for more like fantasy work, so if anybody is interested. Um, but yeah, so I do all sorts of like D&D adjacent Magic the Gathering kind of stuff. And you do uh, commission-based, or is it on Patreon? Like, where can people find uh, that? Commission stuff. Okay, great. So uh, just email me. My email is on my Twitter. Sweet. All right. Well, I bet you're going to get at least one person hooking up uh, with it, which is going to be us uh, killing the old from a dagger that's made from yes. the, the... We should get w- some commissioned Dragon Talk we art. Should. Yeah. Mostly of you, like, choking and... and <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like the people who do the, the courtroom... The sketches. <laughs> That's what we need. We need somebody to like pick w- one moment from every episode and just sketch it out for right. us. Right. <laughs> There's no, no cameras were allowed while we taped Dragon Talk, but we had to get sketches made. Yes, <laughs> I want some of that. Dramatized may not have happened. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Susanna. You are uh, awesome. I applaud the mono branding of using your your, your name. Uh, well done. More people should do it. <laughs> and the one N. Well, like I think that's. I'm, Gotta I, thank my mom for that one. I'm a, my real name is Michelle, and it's one L. I mean, you don't really need to have the double consonant. Wait, really? I know it's shocking. That is shocking, Shelley, because it's two L's now. There's two L's in Shelley. Yeah, right. Yeah. Way to make it confusing. Blame her. I, I well, both good good on your mom and and bad on your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, we will be talking more soon, I think, about commissioning art. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Susanna. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man, that was a, such a good interview. With... I'm glad I held it together. You held it together. Yeah. You yeah. asked very insightful questions. You were also very insightful and articulate. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. I practice. I mean, this is why you're a potty award winning. <laughs> we, please, we are a potty award winning co-host. We lift each other up. Putting each other down. Wait, no. No. That's a- <laughs> when you are down, we clown. I am your clown. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows it. I wish I had my big my big glasses. I wish you did too. Yeah. I, next time we'll do your my big whole, lady glasses. My whole podcast with my big lady glasses. You and Bart can just. Go somewhere and wear lady glasses together. It's, it's been my favorite because usually they're better glasses. They're like why? Because they're like there's some guys' glasses that are like so small that you're like oh my god, there's so much like sunlight still hitting my eyeballs. This are not so doing anything. So it's the size that you like. Yeah, because they block everything, and then sometimes lady glasses have like actual <laughs> blue blocker stuff in it, which makes me all well, why m- much happier. Man glasses wouldn't have. They that. don't. It's like the stupid thing about like you know men's uh, um, soaps or something like that. What? No, I'm going to sneeze. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Sorry. That was really funny. <laughs> uh, bodily fluids. Uh, <laughs> right. So that's why I like the uh, the the ladies' glasses. Well, also, there's a lot more of them in my house, and I constantly lose my glasses. So, so you just pick one. I just pick the ones. Like that Bart I actually went to a store to buy sunglasses, and he came home with late. He's like, "Look, I love these. They're so awesome. I've never loved a pair of sunglasses as much as I love these." I'm like, "Bart, those are for ladies. They were clearly lady shape, and the sides of them are aqua with like bedazzlement on them." What? How did you not notice that? That's awesome for Bart. I think that's great. Well, I have a bubble. Ambrosia. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, I think that's fantastic. Like, there's no, there's no, you know, uh, 
value on whether there's sparkles on your thing or not? I guess. I mean, I shouldn't be saying he can't have sparkles if he doesn't want sparkles. I mean, let, let, let Bart shine. Quite literally. Let him I shine. Let, I, he can't shine, but the sides of his glasses can his shine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't take my spotlight. You'll, but. you'll see. Because he does, he busts them. He's like, I, there's no shame in that game. I tried to hide them once and he found them. Where did you hide them? Just like in a drawer. Well, oh, okay. I Which thought. I didn't think he even knew how to open. There's like a sunglasses, sun don't I, shine I, joke there somewhere. I hid them in the, oh, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> I think the universe wants us to shut up now. Or just clear our throats on mic over and over again. <laughs> okay, I'm okay. <laughs> We're going to do the rest of it in, in Smeagol voice. In bubble talk. Um, anything closing we should say before we wrap this amazing episode up? Um, I think that you should play some Dungeon Mayhem. Yes. Also, you should watch Pelham's new show, Pelham Green's Hot Mess. Hot Mess. Hot Mess. Oh, it's just Pelham's Hot Mess. Pelham's Hot Mess. And next week, he's going to be playing Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, which is one of the best games ever. Oh, yeah. That is a good uh, photoshopping right there. That wasn't photoshopped. (laughs) That's what what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's on. Used to think that that his hair was modeled after your hair. Mm-mm. It's Pelham. It's Pelham. It's been Pelham all along. Yeah, that's true. Yep. He's been using the modeling. Yep. It's happening. We had a really fun and dungeon. the sunglasses and the sunglasses, which weren't lady glasses, if I noticed. But there were sparkles. There were some sparkles. It's Are good those stuff. lady glasses, Pelham? But in any case, we should uh, watch that because that's Tuesdays yes. uh, on Twitch.tv slash DND. Yes. Make it happen. Put it on your shed- schedule. Uh, yes. Um, it, and, of course, uh, you worked a lot on Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. I did. Yeah. It was quite fun. And there's another Baldur's Gate-themed Dungeon Mayhem expansion coming out. Yes, with we'll, Minsk and Boo. We'll play, we'll play test some of those uh, on, on Hot Mess. You are not going to be play testing because that game is at the printer. <laughs> so we that can... ship has sailed. <laughs> but we did play test it, so don't worry. Um... But yeah, we'll totally play those on Sweet. because um, we—that's what the inaugural episode of Pelham's Hot Mess was playing in a Dungeon Mayhem tournament, and Bart friggin' won the tournament. He won the belt. I didn't win anything. You well, you know. <coughs> <laughs> Is that what you have to think about that? You're like, I'm just gonna spit over in the corner. Do you know, like at the beginning of podcast when they're like, this podcast contains. A- Adult language, whatever. Yeah. We may have to put something that warns people. Like, there's a lot of bodily <laughs> things that occur happening on in the this mic. One. Yeah. yeah. We do. We, I don't we know run the gamut. If it was like this podcast or like two years ago, because it's all blending in now that we did the. Oh, the content warnings and the farts? No, like that. Yeah. When we were, that was also this podcast. We were so young back then. It was like, we were so <laughs> like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Fresh face. I am so sorry, people. <laughs> it's I'm like, I'm excited about my where, dad coming. Where can people, uh, st- uh, you know, accept your apology live online? On, on, on Twitter. Yeah. At Shelly Moo. At Shelly Moo. Yes. Awesome. Tweet, tweet at me if you want an apology for this podcast. I will give you one. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Every single person will be calling in. If you are also watching The Bachelor at, you should come to my Facebook page, Shelly Mazenoble slash writer. Sad no, face. not slash writer, just writer. Don't be sad. I'm sad. It's it's a really bad season. It's so everything about it is bad from the top to the bottom. You definitely should not be 
overhearing this one. Oh, damn, I didn't talk to Aaron about it. It's terrible. I will. I mean, I literally just put on the headphones and I, I don't have to deal with I, I get crap. it. I get it, man. It ain't cool. I'm not going to say that. But you should also go complain to Shelly about that on mm-hmm. her Facebook page. And her write-ups are probably the one entertaining thing that's good about that show. I'm, I'm, I'm a little behind. I'm like four episodes behind. <laughs> get out. Get with it. You can do it. Um, you can also reach out to me. I'm at Greg Tito on the Twitters. Yes. Uh, I got Greg underscore Tito for Instagrams. Uh, if you want to get into what's happening with this world of D&D, go to DungeonsAndDragons.com or go check out DragonMag.com because that's a new issue of Dragon Plus is coming out. I even do the opening intro, a uh, little letter to the editor thing. No way. Uh, talking about uh, you know, D&D Live and the most recent Aww, Tito. trips I've been on. It's a little uh, break in the fourth wall. Uh, nice. Some fun stuff. But uh, take a look at that. It should be out hopefully next week. So when you're listening to this in podcast form, you can just download all the content there. Uh, otherwise, we should probably just close up this cave because I don't think anybody's going to want to come back and listen to this episode ever again. No. But there's like all this never stuff from the sinister secret of Salt Marsh that's going to be crashing into us right now. No. Oh, God. Oh, watch out. Oh, oh, oh.